<laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the inaugural podcast of Disrupted, uh, a network for educators by educators bringing together people that are interested in shaking things up within the New Zealand education system. Um, today you're going to meet the initial um, Disrupted crew and we're going to tell you a little bit about our um, learnings so far. So um, without further ado. Kia ora, I'm Mori Abraham, Principal of Hobsonville Point Secondary School. Kia ora everyone, Andy Kaifong, Principal from Hayat Community Campus in Christchurch. Kia ora folks, Steve Sample, Principal of Rolleston College. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi nui, ko Natasha Himara tōku ingoa, ko au te timuaki o te kora nui o roto tona. Kia ora, this is Nicola Ngārewa, I was the Principal at Pāti Area School and for five weeks have been the Principal now at Spotswood College. And I am Claire Amos, Principal at Albany Senior High School. Cool, and we're going to kick off first with Steve uh, sharing the uh, best learnings he's had leading in this disruptive sector. Thanks, Maureen. The one given that I think uh, is true of any sort of change, any sort of innovation, is that it's difficult. It is a disruption. And as you go into sailing into new seas, the seas are definitely going to get rough. The other given is that um, calm seas never made a great sailor. However, it is rough and therefore we need to decide uh, on our anchors, what we're going to put down when the storm does get really raging and we need to return to. Those anchors have to be simple, uh, they have to be a a vision that is understood and held by all, there has to be a pedagogy, a culture that we, uh, that is new or, or ah! Keep going. Okay, okay. Um, C's just got a bit rough, mate. C's got a bit rough. Okay, so they're often symbolic, they're often metaphorical, they often use imagery, fakatoki, but they're the anchors that we need to return to when the seas get rough that we can put down to centre ourselves again. Mm. Cool. Cool. What do you reckon, Natasha? Uh, I'm sitting here nodding my head thinking I totally agree. That idea that um, when things get a bit tough, rather than wanting to jump out, actually bracing ourselves and thinking, how do we, um, as leaders in our schools, ensure that the vision that we have and hold for our young people is there? Because we're not doing this for the sake of doing things to change. We're doing it because we believe the things that we are wanting to disrupt are right. But how do I, as a leader, ensure that my team are balanced and going forward? So Steve was talking there about the disrupted oceans. I always look at it like it is a waka that we're travelling on. How do I make sure my people stay in that waka so that we're all actually collectively moving to the, that vision? Mm-hmm. Cool. Absolutely, and I just want to add into that. So when I'm having to make a really difficult decision, the one thing that I constantly come back to is are the students sitting at the centre of that? And mm. if I can put my hand on my heart at those times and say, yes, they are, I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons and going in the right direction. But of course, you can only put students at the centre if you truly have a staff and a team that are well supported. And so when I have to go back to the why and the how do we get there, those two things are absolutely critical to what we do or what I do. Mm. And, I, and I think one thing that I um, really believe in that supports all, all of this is the importance of mindset and um, the importance of the leaders within the school having an unerring sense of um, positivity. I often come back to that notion that you know if you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. So if you're in that space where you are trying to disrupt norms and disrupt the status quo, 
I don't think you can underestimate the power of your belief in people to be able to do so, but also the real importance of us being a bit of a Pollyanna pants when it comes to this stuff, you know, and ensuring that um, we see the positive possibilities in what we're doing and have fun doing yep. it along the way, you know. There's, there's real importance um, in, in creating that context and that environment where, you know, we're demanding a lot of these these people and our teams and our schools when we want to make change. So it's really important that we absolutely assure we're in line when it comes to um, the vision and the values and the principles, but also, um, you know, that we're having fun in that walker and, and we're really enjoying um, the journey as as we move along. Yeah, kia ora. I totoko everything that's been said. Um, a bit like Steve, um, I have got to have um, principles or, or visions to really anchor my thinking, and I'm six years into this journey now, and um, the, the the journey's becoming more complex, but I, I've found that when I've got some set principles to, to settle on, I'm able to more confidently make some decisions or, or solve some problems. And so my current thinking is around um, a set of principles that I talk about as the three C's. When I think about learning, um, for learning, if I want it to be authentic and personalised, the three C's I have in my mind are that learning has to be connected. We've got to find ways where uh, subjects can, can connect um, across subject boundaries. We've got to look for ways where schools can connect with the community because this brings uh, the ability for kids to make sense of their learning. So we've got to look for ways, no matter what our setting is, how can we connect learning across subjects and outside in the community. The second C that I think about is co-construction, and this is the easiest one to do in schools. It's, we've got to see ourselves as learning designers, so we're designing learning for our kids, and we've got to invite those young people into that design process. So we've got to talk with them about what context, uh, what way they want to process information, how they want to evidence their learning. So we've got to co-construct that with them, because it tells them that they are partners in this whole process. And the third C I think about is collaboration. It's most probably one of the most important um, skills or dispositions uh, young people need to grow to be successful successful, and be able to contribute in a real rapidly changing world. So we've got to make sure that the kids are collaborating as often as possible within their learning. And what that helps realise also is a, a model of learning that's not one size fits all, that requires you to uh, be responsive and to personalise. So those three C's are really important and help me make the decisions. And I think just bouncing off that, Maori, that as leaders in our schools, we have to model that practice, that yep. we can't um, just expect that this is what we believe is right for our kids to demonstrate. They, when they see it and they can unpack what it looks like in varying platforms, they're able to then recognise and see the value in it for themselves. So I think um, one of the key things that I've learned in, in this space I've been in is to support teachers at the differing levels that they're working to collaborate on multifaceted platforms to engage with students as part of the collaboration to hear their voice but also to have teachers present being able to visually collaborate and model um, I suppose effective functioning of the skills and dispositions that we're wanting our young people to grow within and that's difficult when it hasn't um, been a way that we have um, engaged in teaching for in, in all spaces um, and it's a challenge for our teachers to do so um, but providing the support for them the 
the um, spaces in which they can explore their journey and add value to their space, just like we're adding value cool. to the students' yeah, space. Because I see that those three Cs, they aren't just for the kids. Mm, so day. our staff have to see and talk about connected learning. That our kids have to see staff co-constructing with each other around their learning and collaborating in the actual teaching process. So if they see that, then they know it's real. Mm, mm, what, do we, what do you reckon, Andy? So obviously uh, a lot of agreement in the room already. Um, and just to, just to segue into your notion of the C's, Maury, um, I've got some uh, words here too. Connection, definitely. I think if you're leading or you're trying to do uh, make some change in your school, connecting with like-minded people or people who you can soundboard off is going to be a really important part of that. I also have courage here. Mm. Uh, Steve's talked about, um, you know, it, it is difficult and you will meet a lot of barriers along the way or you may meet some barriers along the way. So that real commitment and courage to what you're doing and why you're doing it becomes super important. Um, and moving on from that, and in some ways, uh, I guess from a leadership position, I think it's really important that you, once you've surrounded yourself with good people, that you create a high trust environment mm. and that you do everything that you can to enable those great people to do great work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that rounds out sort of my learning. So I think we've, we've touched on, you know, the conditions that support disruption. I think um, for the sake of clarity, I think it would be really useful for each of us maybe to talk about what that looks like. So what what is it that we consider about each of our contexts that we would say is a, an example of um, disruption and, and challenging the status quo of what's gone on before. So Steve, if you, you're at yeah. Rolleston, what's going on there? I would say the major disruption we've done as a school is to question the, um, the importance of content dumping. Mm. No one is saying that knowledge isn't important. No one is saying that, that that acquiring of knowledge isn't important, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And making it kind of like not just about content acquisition and regurgitation, but about skill development, about development of the individual. And mm. I say disrupting. So, with, so to do that, that's an easy statement, but to do that, you've got to disrupt everything. You can't have siloed departments. You mm. can't have that. You've got, you've got to disrupt the whole thing to enable the, 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 the platform, if you like, to be cleaned um, so that you can build on that. So if I had to describe what our major disruption would be, it would be, be questioning the traditional siloed, compartmentalised, uh, content-based um, delivery of knowledge mm. and curriculum. Cool. Natasha, what's happening at um, Rotatuna Senior? Um, I, I think very along the lines of um, Steve there, connected learning is really critical and it's been the biggest shift for, for our teachers and our students in making the learning really engaging and authentic, that real life, that school is not this place that sits at the end of a, a road, we are not one Cambrai Drive or whatever number we are, we are actually an open space that is lived and breathed 24 hours mm. a day inside and out and so actually providing the space actually for for our staff to be truly innovative where actually there really is not often a no around trying things in the classroom. Mm. Getting out beyond um, the school and going to construction sites, going to visits around our, our motu, around all around our rohe of Waikato and seeing what were the spaces that um, and histories and stories that were told in those places mm. and what do they bring in an authentic way to the learning that we're currently doing because when we make learning connected we provide mm. a really nice seamless transition for our young people into whatever pathway they want Absolutely. to go into. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, and Nicola, I know you've got um, grand plans for um, Spotswood in 2019. What, what's the major disruption going on there? So I'll just go back a little bit first. So most of the contexts that I come from have been underperforming low decile schools. Mm. So they've either been under statutory management or statutory and financial management or um, potentially facing closure. So the space that that's allowed us to do is have this blank canvas and be truly responsive to our young people and community needs. And so what that's meant is that we've had to uh, become enablers but get rid of every single barrier that exists within the construct that we've come in from. So for example, we've had young people uh, in some of the jobs that I've worked at, I've been principal at, where they've worked 30 hours but also want to learning programs. Mm. So we've had to have agile hours of operations start at 7.30, finish at 4.30, which meant that they're not having to sacrifice one thing for the other. And it's not like we had a plan that we could perfectly lay out at that time. Every time we turned a corner, there was another challenge that we had to immediately have a really well thought out and take some well calculated risks to be truly responsive to meet their needs. And so that type of mind shift, culture shift and um, thinking, responsive, truly responsive to our young people's and community needs, has meant that we've been able to get ourselves out of those Mm. situations, um, be student-centred and make sure that our young people can go on to be the best and absolute amazing things that they deserve to be. You know, um, and there's some great successes that come from operating like that and, and you know, that will be another podcast another time. Mm. But the space that we're in currently at Spotswood College is slightly different because it is, by all intents and purposes, a well-performing traditional secondary school. It's got fantastic NCA results. It's got um, great scholarship results as well. But we've looked at it really carefully and worked out that actually we could be teaching much better than we do and we could be making sure that our students are learning much better than they currently Mm. do. So that gives us a different opportunity to uh, disrupt the norm to make Mm. sure that we're not only doing well for those young people that are on that pathway but forging a new pathway in the innovative space to make sure our young people are well prepared for the 21st century modern world they're about to walk into. So you're looking at the STEAM sort of model to shape your Modules of learning? Uh, yeah, I heard someone say a little bit earlier that sort of once you start to touch one part of the cobweb, it affects everything. Yeah. Uh, and you can't do, you know, people have said to me, gosh, why don't we just do this year or this part? But the reality is, is once you start to transform, there isn't a nice, you know, sometimes you have to be prepared for the big bang rather than the slow mm. burn. Mm. So uh, effectively, we're doing a whole range of different things. Once again, flexible curriculum, flexible hours of operation, definitely the STEAM components in there as well as the inquiry-based teaching and learning model uh, and literacy and numeracy in its full context. So I guess if you looked at it um, now, moving into 2019, there's almost nothing traditional about it. So Mm. it's, uh, like I said, a big bang movement, but one that we've looked at really extensively over the last six months and we're really confident. And I've heard Andy say before, be big and be bold. Mm. And why wouldn't we? Yeah. And why wouldn't we um, do that as a learning community and expect that of our young people as well? And, and also, if we do believe there's a sense of urgency about making these changes, you know, you've got to walk the talk, haven't you? Absolutely. I don't yeah. want to, and I, I kind of liken this a little bit, uh, you know, around uh, being culturally responsive. You know, I'm hearing some of the same conversations that I heard 20 years ago mm. when I started the education mm. system. I don't want our young people to be waiting for us to play catch up 
mm. to learn how to hongi and say someone's name correctly. In fact, we need to be repackaging this, not only put, um, from my perspective, the culturally responsive component into mm. that, mm. into that ball that we're going to be smashing out, but also the 21st century pedagogical mm. approaches that make sure that they're positioned to be innovators, doers, um, not just bystanders of what yeah. their future's going to be. So yeah, you, you do, you have to be big and you have to be bold. Yeah, and I like one thing that you touched on where you talked about the fact that they're getting great learning, I mean, great results, but it's not necessarily, um, that's not necessarily a measure of deep learning happening. Mm. You know, and I think, I think mm. we've got to stop looking at those um, results and those league tables and, and actually seeing that as a measure of how deep and authentic and connected learning is that's going on within the schools. Absolutely. Mm. What, what about you, Claire? I mean, you're, you're almost two terms into mm. your first principalship at Albany Senior High School. Um, what's the bit of disruption that you're, yeah, you're so part of? I, I mean, I'm really lucky to come into a school that's got these incredibly rich um, foundations in terms of innovation. Albany Senior High School is coming up to 10 years old um, and has, uh, you know, led the way in um, impact projects and having um, these large-scale, long-term um, student-led impact projects on a Wednesday. So it, it was a real gift to walk into a school that had these incredible foundations. But again, um, what we recognise and what was recognised when started looking really closely um, at the teaching and learning that was going on across the board, there was um, there was definitely and and as in every school, there was room for um, pushing the boat out further. There seems to be a lot of sea analogies and ocean analogies today, <laughs> if not the letter C. Um, but there was an opportunity to to push the boat out further and. and and, and one of the things that I really looked at when I came here and I observed what was happening in our tutorials and our specialist subjects and our impact projects, I kept asking myself, you know, is the learning um, visible? Is the learning deep? And is the learning inclusive? And I think mm. Our, mm. our real key areas of innovation in the upcoming year is going to be working on what we call um, co-design for deep learning. So about our teachers really committing to having a partnership to negotiate and co-design or co-develop modules of learning and also to negotiate and co-design how they're going to be assessed. So one of the challenges um, that I've thrown out to the staff is I don't, you know, I really don't want to see one size fits all assessment mm. of any student mm. in our You're school. Right. I want us to be actively looking at ways that we can personalise the mode through which they're being assessed, the way that which they're being assessed, the time lines around which they're being assessed you know this school already has some great stuff happening in that space but as within any school there's a real continuum there's you know fantastic um, examples of genuine co-design going on but there's also a lot of pockets around the um, the school where it could be any school at any time where there's a one-size-fits-all mm. test happening and um, mm. so I think we really want to look at doing um, you know, I often use the analogy of I want us to be ensuring that we're doing um, what we say we do on the packet, mm-hmm. that we're walking the talk. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's so it can be so easy to talk about innovative practice mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. talk about being personalised mm-hmm. and responsive and sharing power with the student. Mm-hmm. It's quite another thing to do it. Yep. And um, so for me, in the first instance, as a new principal and um, being new to this school, I want to make sure that we are doing 
what we have always said um, that we're aiming to do, first of all. And then, you know, next year will be an opportunity for us to work with our students, our community, our teachers, to really do some blue sky thinking. You know, our impact project's magic. I want to make sure each and every student is uh, absolutely engaged with our impact projects. I want to make sure, as Natasha um, was talking about, that our students are one foot in school, one foot out of school. They're out on those building sites, they're out working with industry and community partners and really levelling up the work that's going on in that mm-hmm. space. And specialist subjects, I want to um, see evidence of co-design and co-creation of modules of learnings with our students and I want to see evidence that the student is owning and negotiating how and when they're assessed. And my goodness, if we can pull that sucker off, um, you know, I'll be really proud of where we've got to in 2019. Yeah, kia ora, Claire. I want to acknowledge... Um, you know, Albany Senior High School. I know it was before mm. your time, but mm. you, you and I were working together when we established Hobsonville Point Secondary School. Um, and this school was a, a strong influencer on our thinking. Um, yeah. And, and particularly around the the big project, impact project model. So um, I'd like to, to acknowledge that. Um, and also to acknowledge the, the great work that you did as, as part of helping set up our school as well. I think the um, one of the things that, I think we've done particularly well and perhaps is a little bit disruptive is the way in which in a school we we dived into the front end of the curriculum as well and and decided that um, if we wanted young people to, to graduate from our school and be able to contribute strongly and conf- confidently in a world that's changing rapidly, we needed to look for ways of acknowledging those important values and um, competencies and dispositions that are present at the front end of the curriculum. So we were really purposeful about um, ensuring there were two pathways of excellence for our kids, the academic pathway, which is addressed by the back end of the curriculum, but also the pathway to personal excellence. And so out of that work grew what we call the Hobsonville habits, dispositions such as being resilient, being adventurous, being curious, being creative. And we've been working for five or six years, and we're still not there, but of, of giving that sort of learning equal weight with the academic learning. Um, we've got a long way to go, but um, I think um, we're you know, starting to do some good work in that, that area, and we're now taking that work and looking at what's an appropriate graduate profile um, that captures what a, a graduate who, who's achieved academic, their academic and personal excellence might look like. Mm. So I think that, that's been where we've contributed. Mm. What about you, Andy? Uh, look, again, when I listen to you guys talking, I think uh, certainly resonate with some things that Nicola's saying about the scale of impact when you start um, making change. I think, and I know Nicola's got a different situation because she's got an existing school. We've all had, well, except you, Claire, you've come mm. into an exist, existing school. But as we've kind of developed at Hayata, the the things that change is a flow-on of a, of a different learning design. So I often think of... We were, we were gifted new buildings, new design. We've got a new learning design. It changes the way we have expectations around teacher planning and teacher implementation and teacher assessment and then reporting. So, you know, we talk about it, it, it spiralling out. This is a massive scale of change. And I, if I think of an example of that, I just want to like, think of our secondary sector at the moment who, for whom we've kind of started to rewrite um, their responsibilities and how mm. they uh, how they spend their days. Mm. Um, so it's no longer what we would conceive of as as delivery in the way that we conceived it, but quite different. Mm. When you when you are still you have some um, aspect of your role which is delivering a workshop, which is as close to traditional teaching as we come. Um, but the notion of conferencing and and utilising and supporting space 
um, as secondary teachers is is a challenge. And I, mm. so when I think of that, I I have some empathy for our staff who are undergoing massive levels of change. Yeah. Um, so how do we support them to do that? And of course, because we're an area school, um, we're we're uh, I guess overlaying some of that thinking into the primary school now. So how do we combine and share and rewrite and re-describe what it is to be a, a primary teacher in our setting also? Mm-hmm. Um, so fantastic. But, you know, again, um, uh, Natasha was talking about that notion of, of really wanting to enable and say yes to people. And I think mm-hmm. it's a really conscious mm-hmm. decision. I think we will all have amazing staff at our school who are mm-hmm. busting out of their skins to do great things. And all they want from us is some resourcing or, or, or a simply, yes, go ahead and, and give it a go. Authentic teacher agency. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and so being able to, being able to do that, um, being able to see the results of that, and, and being able to support both the successes and the failures of mm. that, because I think we talk about that mm. a lot. Mm. But I'm, one of the things I perhaps I don't think we're so good at is actually we talk about the value of failure, mm. but I'm not sure that all of us are happy to be in that failed mm. space mm. Yeah. all the time. Mm. So, and that comes back um, to the courage you mentioned earlier yeah, as well. Yeah, I think well. so. And it, and it being okay. Mm. So how do we create that to be okay at our school? Um, and then just, uh, again, resonating with something you said at the end, Maury, the whole notion of learning dispositions coming to the front. Mm. So we've tried to do that, um, you know, alongside the, the, the more typical sort of evidence of, of student success, but mm. pushing what we believe are really important characteristics, 21st century characteristics mm. to the front. Sure. So every conversation that we have with parents and with the community, we want to push those to the front mm-hmm. and for that to become our, our mantra, really, if you like. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, so um, look, over to you now, listeners. Um, we'd really like to hear from you and, and find out from you what you would like to hear about moving forward. Um, one of the things we're really keen to do is um, to make sure we're shining spotlight on innovation all over the place Um, so we would love to interview people Um, we would love to hear from you we would love to find out um, the sorts of topics that you think are really important at um, this point in time Um, you can connect with us um, through our Twitter account our Twitter handle is at disruptednz make sure you get online and follow us and there's a link on there as well to our Facebook group Disrupt Ed. Um, We'd love you to become part of the community. Please come onto those platforms, tell us what you'd like to hear and share any examples you've got um, around how you're leading disruption in your classroom, um, in your school, in your context and in your community. Um, So until next time, Keep on disrupting people. We look forward to engaging you. We'll be trying to do these podcasts um, once a fortnight. And again, um, we would love to share um, this sort of space and place with you. And we would love to hear from you and to collaborate and, you know, and and in a sense, co-design for deep learning with each and every one of you. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora.